0: The University of Kansas Health System is proud to be the official health care provider of the Kansas City Current. From youth athletes to the pros, we put player care first to turn their dreams into reality. Learn more at kansashealthsystem.com slash current.
1: The show that takes you home. The Homestretch with Sterling Holmes on ESPN Kansas City, 1510 a.m., 94.5 FM, and the ESPN Kansas City Facebook page. Welcome to the Homestretch, ESPN Kansas City, Sterling Holmes live on this Friday afternoon. It is Friday, baby. You know who's more excited than me that it's Friday? It's Dylan. Dylan behind the glass could not be more excited that it is Friday. As he nods his head. We'll be joined by Max Reaper of Royals Review. Second segment, about 10 to 12 minutes. Um, Talking a lot of Royals with Max Reaper. Now, I gotta bring this up. I'm not a big LeBron guy. It's fine. I'm I'm a Kobe guy. But what LeBron has done in the past two weeks has been nothing short of... Or two days, sorry, two games. Has been nothing short of phenomenal. Historic. Legendary. Dude is 39 years old. 39 years old. Two games ago, against the... Clippers, who by the way, Clippers are a very good team. Lakers were down 21 in the fourth quarter. Lakers won. Largest fourth quarter comeback of LeBron's 21-year career. LeBron had 19 in the fourth. Five of eight from three four assists. It was ridiculous. Again, not the biggest LeBron guy. But you have to give credit where credit is due. Lakers down 21. Going into the fourth quarter. LeBron proceeds to hit basically three straight threes to start it. Ends up scoring 19 in the fourth quarter. Again, Dude is 39 years old. And then last night, had to have it against a bad team, Washington. Had to have it. Bron's not playing great. Ends up going to overtime. Fourth quarter in OT, LeBron steps up. Dude pinned Jordan Poole against the backboard on a fast break. Reminiscent of him against Andre Iguodala. In the NBA Finals, then proceeds on the ensuing offensive possession to drain a contested three. Lakers win. Again, whatever your thoughts are on LeBron James, these past two games at the age 39 is something we have never seen before. We've never seen a player this dominant at this age in NBA history. You want to take a guess, Dylan, what LeBron's averaging
2: this season? Is it the same that it seems to be every season where it's about 28 points? <laughs> Dude's averaging 25.2 points. Ah, that's close.
1: 7.1 rebounds. 7.9 assists a game. 25-7-8 and 8 at age 39. <laughs> while playing 35 minutes a game, and oh yeah, shooting 52.6% from the field, and nearly 41% from the three-point line. Dog, I don't think this is getting talked about enough. I know we're not an NBA show here. I love the NBA personally. I'm a Sixers guy. I know. Uh, I'm still somehow trusting the process. But dude... This is unreal. The last four games for LeBron, Lakers are three and one, and he has been nothing short of incredible. I just don't understand how he's doing it at 39 years old. Father, father time is punching air right now. Father time's going no. You know how we always say Father Time's undefeated? It's a billion to one right now. Because right now, LeBron is, is giving the middle finger to Father Time. All right, we can move on. I just watched those past two games, and I was just astounded by what he was doing. Couldn't get over it. A couple of news around the NFL. Saints to cut uh, Marcus May amid cap-saving moves. Um, This is not super surprising. Safety is not the most important position in football. He is 30 years old, and the Saints have been perpetually in cap hell. They had to already restructure... Uh, Derek Carr, as well as Cam Jordan, on on the team. Uh, he was set to count against 9.6 million against the salary cap this year, uh, and was due seven million in base salary. But what's interesting is cutting cutting him only saves 1.1 million. <laughs> you know how bad up against the cap you have to be to cut one of your would you would you say Marcus May's a cornerstone
2: of the Saints? You wouldn't say cornerstone. Now, if they still had CJ GJ, that would be more of like a cornerstone ish Sure, safety. but I feel like he was he was with the Ravens before. Um, he was with someone before there. Yeah, correct. I just always think I think He's Mar- a good I would say the word you're looking for is high quality safety. High quality safety. That's, safety. That, that's not really that profound. I I, talk, he, but. No, I get he with the Jets before. He's Jets, missed he's Jets, missed a lot of right.
1: games in his NFL career. The past two seasons he's missed um wow, past three years. He played six games in twenty one, ten games in twenty two, seven games last year. But again, when you only save one point one million, it's one of those situations where you're like, is, is that worth it? Because even if you're only getting eight games from Marcus May you only seven one point one. I don't know if it's worth it. Um Couple more. I thought there was another safety who uh, was recently. I I, I just uh, actually lost it. But there's been some uh, players starting to get released. Uh, if you look around right now, uh, the Commanders are releasing Charles Leno Junior. Charles Leno Junior. Um, what do you think with him? Chiefs obviously in the market for a left tackle.
2: Yeah, maybe. I mean, that's. I uh, like Tyron Smith a little more if it oh, becomes no, no. an option, but no,
1: I I do too. I'm, not, I'm just trying to think of cheap, of of cheap and, and money, and who knows if Tyron Smith gets a deal to go back to to the Cowboys? Who right. knows? I mean, they
2: said is uh, at, they're expecting it to be like one year, ten. For Tyron Smith,
1: uh, that's why I saw it too, and I'd take that in a heartbeat. If, yeah, I, if I'm the too. Chiefs, that's that's not even a question. He did
2: it for Donovan Smith so. because and, and, because by the way, then you
1: also have Wanye Morris in case he gets injured again, or you, you know like and
2: the tackles in this draft they say are, are pretty. You know they got a lot of them. Yeah, there's a lot. I mean, there's a second rounder who's 6'5", 300 that I like a lot from Yale. Yeah, can't pronounce his name for no the, no no no.
1: I know who you're talking about though. It,
2: Him and then the other guy who can't pronounce his name from BYU. I know Andy, he's not going to be there. Yeah. But I know Andy loves that guy.
1: And what's interesting is when you look at these um, tackles, a lot of times it takes him a year to actually get decent. You know what I'm saying? Like, remember Andrew Thomas for the uh, Giants, who was two scoops of ass his first year, and then he was damn good since. I also think with Wanie Morris, that's why I'm higher on him than I think most people are cuz people are just expect what he was last year to be like a finished product. I'm like, look around at tackles and edge rushers in the NFL. It takes 2 years. Well, Wanie will be heading into a second year next year and we saw the highs and the highs were really good. The lows were obviously not good, but what do you expect from those guys? The lows will get dropped off while the highs are going to be more of the consistent nature of him. So I actually have a lot of faith in Juanye Morris. I think I'm kind of alone on this, but I do think a tackle makes a lot of sense still either way. Um, Again, with the thought process of even if you view Juanye as a right tackle, eventually you can get out of the Juwan Taylor contract, save some money there. So a a lot of ways the Chiefs can go. Charles Leno Jr., by the way, just wanted to look it up. Had a lot of penalties last year, so that fits in with Kansas City, right? Heavy penalized left tackle. Uh, I will also point out, though, he was pretty darn good uh, by his PFF grade as well. And guess where he thrives, Dylan? Pass protection. Really solid pass protector as a left tackle, and that's what the Chiefs like. He's a little bit lighter as a left tackle, 302 pounds. Um, Guess where he was drafted, by the way? Seventh rounder. Seventh round left tackle. Good for him. Way to make a career. You don't see that very often in the NFL for left tackles. Good for him. I think uh, Charles, Leno, Ju- Charles Leno Jr. or Tyron Smith, whichever one you can find who's willing to come to Kansas City, I, I would not be uh, surprised if they're a Kansas City Chief. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back. We'll be joined by Max Reaper of Royals Review, talking Royals baseball, home stretch, ESPN, Kansas City. The home stretch. ESPN Kansas City joined now by Max Reaper of Royals Review. Max, how are you?
0: Good, great man. How are
1: you doing? Good man. Long time no talk. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been a
0: little bit of an off season, but uh, we got some kind of baseballish weather, I think now. So we can at least start imagining what it'll be like watching our boys in blue at the K this summer. Uh, at least get an idea of it.
1: I mean, dude, I'm just so excited. I I was laughing with Lesky the other day about this. I go, I've never been so excited about a team that had won 50 plus games the year before, and the Royals have a lot of 50ish win teams to choose from. You know, what I mean, <laughs> we we have, we've got a lot to choose from. I, I my excitement level right now knows no bounds. Again, I'm not saying the Royals are going to be incredible this year, but but Max, there's a lot to be hopeful for.
0: Well, yeah, who knew that uh, Seth Lugo and Michael Walker were going to be the names that got us all excited. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they they look competent. Uh, it looks like a nice pitching staff that's off to a good start in Arizona, at least doing the things that you want to see. And, yeah, it's just Arizona and it's just spring training, but some encouraging signs there. We're getting some guys back in Vinnie Pascantino, full season from Cole Regan's. We've seen what Bobby can do, so... Yeah, I can. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna rain on the parade. I, I, I'm all about being excited about uh, the Royals this
1: year. All right, Max. I'm going to talk about Vinny since you brought his name up right there. Obviously, Pintelon is the first baseman, probably batting third or fourth in the lineup. He's going to be uh, the engine that makes the offense go. Are you concerned at all about his injury having any lingering effects heading into this season, or do you think that's firmly behind him?
0: Yeah, I think any time you've got an injury, you've got to just be a little concerned. Like, we haven't seen him in game action since uh, he got hurt last year. And until that elbow's tested, you know, over the course of, a, you know, the grind of the major league season, I think you're always going to be a little concerned about it. But, you know, these elbow injuries, I, I, I guess I haven't looked at the full history of, like, what, you know, how long guys are, you know, how they perform the next year. But uh, from, from what I can remember, it doesn't seem like, guys, that's a, that's a lingering issue that you have to worry about like maybe a back issue or something like that, or obviously like a shoulder issue with a pitcher, like hitters seem, seem to bounce back a little bit better from these kind of injuries than other players. And, you know, he's, Vinny's been posting videos of himself all offseason swinging the bat, and he looks like he's hitting the ball with the same kind of authority as he did last year when he kind of captivated it. So I'm, I'm still pretty uh, optimistic about what he can do. And, uh, you know, he, he doesn't just – he's one of those rare hitters that can help you even when he's not swinging the bat, right? Like he's got one of the most patient eyes on the team and I think now that he's got maybe some other guys around him uh you know Bobby obviously in the lineup Salvi be hidden behind him uh he may be able to do a little more damage see some better pitches than maybe he did when he first came up so I'm excited to see what Vinny can do I, I don't you know I know those projection systems or you know you can take them with a grain of salt but yeah. uh, Zips has him as one of the top 25 hitters in the American League this year so yeah. you know we'll see uh you know we'll see uh, what he can do this year when he comes out there but um, from what I've seen so far, he looks you know, he looks just the say like the same videos we've always seen.
1: Yeah, let, let let's stick with the zip's projections for a little bit here because I think again projections are always fun, especially when it's not from a Homer Perspective, right? This is what they, Zips gets nothing from trying to make the Royals either good or bad. That that's not what their business to do. Uh, but two names really surprised me: one good, one bad from the Zips projections. One bad that I feel like I'm I'm confused by is Michael Garcia. They have him as a 259, 317 on base, and then slugging 360. We'll start with him first. That seems low, especially the slugging. I don't know what your thoughts here are. I know he's not going to be a big home Run guy, but I was expecting a good amount of doubles. I know the launch angle, launch angle is not great with Michael, but the hard contact rate is pretty solid. Were you surprised by this one?
0: A little bit, but at the same time, you know, Zips projections, you know, they're based on the, the data that we've seen and the, the developments that Garcia has had in his power have been kind of late coming, right? Like AAA, when he first got, got to AAA a couple years ago uh that's when we first really saw him starting to hit with any kind of power before that he was a 3 or 4 home run guy and that's when he kind of turned things on it was in a small sample size we you know we were uncertain whether or not that was something that was legit or not last year you know he certainly didn't hit for a lot of home runs but like you said some of the underlying metrics were a little more positive where you think okay maybe he's got a chance to unlock a little bit more power so i don't think he's going to be a big power hitter i don't think he needs to be a big power hitter i think if you get 10 home runs from him with an ability to get on base and great defense and great base running, he's a hugely valuable player. Uh, what did uh, seem a little low, I think, uh, for me was the on base percentage. I think he's going to be better than a 259 hitter, better than a 316 on base guy. I think he's a guy that could hit 270, 280, get on base at a pretty good rate, get a 330, 340 on base percentage, and be a top of the order guy. So that's what I'm looking for with him. The power, with you know, anything that's power is icing on the cake, and I think it could develop in time. But right now, I think his main job needs to be get on base draw draw, pitch, uh, You know, work the count, draw walks, and play that great defense. And that if he does that, he's going to be a 2-3 win, wins above replacement player.
1: Uh, the one that surprised me for the uh, excitement level, which, again, I don't agree with uh, anyone who knows me. I'm a Drew Waters guy, okay? It comes down to a, a lot of are you Drew Waters or Kyle Isabel in uh, who you think the center fielder of the future might be for Kansas City. I'm, I'm firmly in the Drew Waters camp, but Kyle Isabel Zip's projections are – pretty aggressive here 254 average okay 312 on base okay and then 405 slugging i mean that's a what's that 717 ops which is basically league average if not right around league average i don't know if i see that from kyle isabel i don't know where you land on this but uh i was pretty surprised by that because i don't i think his bat is firmly below average
0: no i i agree with you on that that stood out to me as well and uh you know, if you were to do that with the kind of defense he played last year, I mean, you're talking about, another, again, a hugely valuable three or four wins above a placement player. Uh, so I'm a little you know, a little skeptical of those numbers. But people have to remember, you know, they forget that he, he was a pretty decent hitter in the minors who didn't have big home run power, but had definitely had good gap power. <laughs> hey, Max, Kia
1: Kiahui was a great minor league hitter, too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true, true, true. But, uh, you know, I think what we're looking at is you know, a guy that, uh, if he can kind of recapture what he did in the minors a little bit. And, uh, and he doesn't have to be great. Like I said, he doesn't have to be like, uh, you know, Nelson Velasquez or, or Vinny Pascantino or anyone like that. He just has to be a guy that, you know, can get you 30 doubles and really the better batting average. He really hasn't hit for an average as, at all at the big league level. And I think that's what's really weighed him down. So I think making better contact, and he's talked a little bit about that, how he needs to make better contact uh, with the ball. So we've seen a little bit what he can do. He's got, what, 500, 600 PAs under his belt right now. This is really the chance for him. This so is the time for him to kind of uh, tap into that, what he's done in the past and uh, and become the player that he, you know we think he can be. He can become because, like you said, if he's a you know even a. Close to average player offensively with his defense, that's a terrific center fielder you've got in your lineup.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, if he does that, if he if he's OPSing seven seventeen, I, I am I am thrilled. I will be proved wronged. I will be ecstatic for him. I just picture him more as that six sixty OPS kind of guy, and that to me, uh, I know the defense is great, but it, it's not viable in my opinion. Uh, Drew Waters, on the other hand, I don't know where you land on Drew. I I am just a massive Drew Waters fan. I love the switching to build Ability. He is a guy who is good in center, but he is a phenomenal corner outfielder if need be. Not quite as good defensively as Kyle, but I I think pretty darn close. I just see way more upside, more power, better eye. Um, Again, contact and a swing and miss is obviously a major concern with him. But if you're going to put a guy in the 8 or 9 spot in your lineup, I'm going Drew Waters over Kyle any day.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm interested to see how they handle Waters this year because I think I think Isabel is going to be the starting center field. And I think on the corners you've got MJ Melendez in one corner, Hunter Renfro in the other, uh, with Velasquez probably DHing, And so that, that kind of leaves one outfield spot left, I think, and it's going to become, come down to Drew Waters or Darren Blanco. I think Blanco probably fits a little bit better as a bench guy that you don't have to play every day, and Waters is probably one of those guys where you want to see him develop, you want to see him get uh, every day at bats, in the minor league level, you want to see him develop that bat. So, uh, but he's going to get playing time at the big league level. I, don't, I have no doubt about that. Injuries happen. Uh, Hunter Renfro certainly isn't like he's not coming off a very good year. There could be an opportunity if he doesn't play very well. Maybe they bring Waters up to play right field, give them an upgrade in defense, see if his bat is up to the major league level. Uh, so I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, and if he does make the team, how often do they play him? They they find a way to get him in the lineup to give them that defense? Because, you know, we talk about Isabel's defense and center, but MJ Melendez in left field, pretty suspect. Hunter Renfro is a guy who has been okay. Great arm, not so much mobility. <laughs> it's the
1: Jose it's the Guillen. Basically, it's the Jose Guillen archetype right, right there.
0: Very good comp, yes. Uh, so, Waters would be a huge upgrade there, especially when you are talking about Coffin Stadium, some of the pitchers they have. So, uh, you know, he, I'm not as high on Waters' pops as you. I think he's an interesting bat. I certainly like his upside more than a guy like Renfro, which is why it wasn't really that down with the Renfro signing, uh, you know, it's great. I like the other pickups this offseason, but signing a guy to a multi-year deal that's coming off the, the year that he was coming off of, when you have a guy that's a little more interesting in the waters who, you know, maybe if he doesn't hit well, then you go look for other options or you, you put out Nelson Del- Velasquez out there or whatever, uh, that made a little more sense to me. But, you know, again, this is a pretty big year for waters as well. Uh, and if, if he's going to have a productive major league career, this is kind of the year he needs to start getting on that and, and him and Nizbil both have had some injury problems the last couple of years that have kind of hampered them. You look at Waters last year; he was really slowed by that oblique injury to start the year. So his first first month or so didn't really have very good numbers. Didn't really get going until the second half of the season. His numbers looked pretty good there. OPS over seven hundred, I think, over the last half of the season. So um, if he if he can carry that over into this year, again, he could be a pretty valuable player. I just don't know how much playing time he's going to get. Yeah, I'm
1: end. with I, I'm with you, Max. But but by by the way, I I was pretty. Um... Excited, I should say, about the Renfro signing. I feel like I'm one of the few people that are. I know a lot of a lot of you guys, uh, you Lesky, a lot of the more analytical type, maybe or more um, royal centric folks um, weren't super thrilled about that. The only reason why I was is because it raises the floor. Okay, It raises the floor of you know what you have with Hunter Renfro. At worst, is what he did last year. At worst, you have a 20-home run guy, a guy who's batting 6th, 7th in your lineup, who, yeah, is not great defensively, but he's got a good arm. You know what you're getting. It's not Edward Olivares where it's hope, hope, hope. because. Basically, Edward Olivares was, you hope he turned into a guy like Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, you've seen in 2022, 2021, dude was a stud. Like, I, I think he raises the floor enough that I actually liked that move. Um, Again, I I don't want to see initially two unknowns with Waters and Isabel in the lineup together. I get the defensive aspect of it, but that's just so many unknowns. Renfro, for sure, in my mind, raises the floor. Um, Nelson Velasquez is a very interesting name here. 162 at bats last year, 17 home runs. I mean, that is just insane. A home run less than every 10 at bats. Yeah, that's probably not sustainable. But what did you take away from Nelson Velasquez? And is there some sort of consistency there, especially with the power?
0: Well, the the lesson with Velasquez is to to go out and trade your relievers, you know, in in the trade deadline to get young hitters that are, you know, maybe have lost their place in the organization or, you know, have been pushed aside uh, when you're in a rebuild because you can you can find, you know, most guys are going to be guys you release at the end of the year, but occasionally you find a guy like Nelson Velasquez who, you know, we'll see if that was for real. But certainly it was an intriguing enough power surge there to give them more opportunities this year, especially when they don't, you know, they, could, they need another power bat like that. And, and just get back to the Renfro thing, you know, like, I agree with you in the sense that it's, it's nice to have options, right? They brought in all these guys, and it's not like, okay, let's see if this minor league free agent we brought in can make the team and maybe uh, one of our guys from AAA steps up. It's like, no, when you get got a guy like Drew Waters who's not going to make your team, or at least is on the outside looking in right now, that's a good thing because you're probably going to need him at some point, and you're going to need all these bats in the lineup. So, uh, yeah, I think it's great that they brought in a guy like Velasquez. great that they brought in Renfro to at least compete in the outfield. And uh, as far as Velasquez, you know, I I like the power potential. Uh, I don't think he's really playable in the outfield that much, which is a little bit of a problem because I don't think Melendez is that playable in the outfield (laughs) either. Yep. But, um, you know, again, we'll have to see how they work that out. But, you know, the DH spot and working at DH, I think he's a guy that uh, could you know definitely have that twenty to thirty home run potential? De- definitely like what I see with the bat. Uh,
1: yeah, I think um, let me look up actually MJ Malita's baseball savant page because the last time I looked this up, this was absolutely hilarious. So we can play a fun little game here, Max. Uh, again, Max Reaper of Royals Review is our guest. Um, let's get to his fielding for a second here. You know, it's based on like one to hundred, right? That's how they have the like, the range set up. What do you think MJ's range was in uh, baseball last year? What percentile?
0: Oh, it's got to be in the bottom
1: ten percent. Two. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that's what happens when you put a
0: catcher out in left field, right?
1: Yeah, it's funny because he is pretty athletic, but there's just it's like the. Anti Alex Gordon, right? Like Alex Gordon was not that fast, especially when he was winning all those gold gloves. He was not the most athletic guy in left field, yet his range was absurd. MJ Melendez is a complete opposite. Um, I will say MJ's arm value and arm strength, uh, they rank 84 and 93rd respectively, which is very, very solid. Uh, but his bat is what I find very, very interesting. I don't know where you land on MJ Melendez. A lot of folks have him as their, um, they're X-Factor, right, for the Royals. If he goes and does well this season, the Royals will compete for 75-80 wins. If MJ Melendez is first half last year, MJ Melendez, well, that's a major, major issue. You know, the average exit velocity of him last year, 96 percentile, hard-hit percentage, 91st percentile, but then his whiff percentage, 7th percentile, strikeout percentage, 18th, uh, walk percentage, 74th. Like, like, you see some good and you see a whole lot of bad. Where do you land on MJ Melendez?
0: Well, he's the guy that I thought would be traded this offseason. I kind of thought should be traded, not because I don't like him. I, th- I like him a lot as a hitter. I think like, the things you mentioned, the fact that he draws walks, he works the count. He, when he hits the ball, he hits the ball with authority. I mean, his hard hit rate, I know people are kind of tired of hearing about it. You know, he hit the ball hard last year. He was just kind of into bad luck. Um, those kind of metrics suggest he'll have a future down the road that's sustainable. And I thought, okay, well, other teams may look at the batting average, but they're also going to look at those metrics and see value in that. Um, and for I don't know if the Royals had interest in trading him this offseason, or if teams weren't interested in tra- trading for him, but for whatever reason, he's still on the team, which is which is fine, you know, because I, like I said, I like his bat. I just thought that maybe another organization would be able to get more out of it. That being said, you know, it's nice to have a player that can draw, you know, work the count in this lineup, uh, and he's I think he's a candidate to hit in the leadoff spot. Um, you know, I know that he didn't have a great year last year, but he's the kind of guy you want at the top of that lineup working the count drawing walks, hitting doubles, hitting home runs. So uh, I, I agree, he's definitely an X factor where if he gets back on track, then you're talking about a lineup that's a lot longer than, than we thought. Because right now, you know, you've know, you got three good hitters, and Vinny, Bobby, Salvi. You've got Michael Garcia, who, let's see, you know, he was below average last year, can work the count a little bit, doesn't have a lot of power. And then you got a couple question marks on the last of Melendez, who, if both of them, or one of them at least, ends up becoming something. Then you're talking about a lineup that starts looking like a – a decent lineup, not a great lineup, certainly, but a, a one that can at least uh, resemble like an average lineup in the big league. So it uh, definitely would be nice if he he got going as far as his defense. He, I mean, he is kind of athletic, you know, he, he just has kind of an oddly shaped body for an outfielder. So, like, <laughs> he looks like a catcher, right? He's kind of shorter legs, and uh, it, it just doesn't translate well to things like running, which is kind of important in the outfield. I always thought he was well better suited for third base. Like, he's got, you know, a lot of catchers transition to third. He's got the arm for it, Um, and it just seemed like a more natural fit to me. But for whatever reason, he's in the outfield. He's got a chance to improve. I mean, they've, they've, you know, coached the guys up before, like Alex Gordon – uh, maybe MJ just takes a little bit longer to to coach into a Gold Glover than Alex Gordon did.
1: <laughs> That's interesting. Third base. I didn't really actually think of that, but you're right. I mean, a lot of catchers trans. I mean, didn't Carlos Santana go from catcher to first slash third? Um, it, it's fairly common. Um, he's six one one ninety. Did he ever play third base in the minors at all? Uh, he played for
0: he played for I think one or two games, and I remember a scouting report from our house Kuhlman, who's a photographer for the Omaha Storm Chaser. And and I think she said like he threw it into the second into the second row, <laughs> and they kind of put a kibosh on that. So not a whole lot of experience there. Yeah. But you know, he he could have grown into the position.
1: I always laugh when someone says they throw it into, like, the second deck right there because I still remember Aaron Guile. If anyone remembers Aaron Guile. I have I, a signed baseball from Aaron Guile. Yeah, that's, that's a deep cut. Yeah, deep cut right there. Um, oh, yeah, I, I go back to my Royals signature list, and it, it's it's strong, dude. Uh, Tony Pena Jr. ball? Yeah, that's strong. Um, the real,
0: real ones, Noah. I, that's, that's pretty nice.
1: Uh, All-Star? Aaron Crow? Yeah. There you go. All-Star? Yeah. Aaron Crow, there's there's Washburn Rural, <laughs> dude. If you want to have good luck on your immaculate grid, wherever that is, you know, uh, if you all start for the Royals, <laughs> Aaron Crow's is going to get you a real good percent. Um, but yeah, I always think I just remember Aaron Geil just launching a ball into the second deck, and I'm like, yeah, baby, there's that arm strength. <laughs> um, a, a, a name that I think is. Interesting, and I don't know how to view this. The reason why I like this signing of Adam Frazier is because I think you know what you get with Adam Frazier. He is a league average to a little bit below, solid defense, but you know you're going to get a professional at bat from Adam Frazier. Michael Massey, on the other hand, is the up and down. When he's hot, he can almost carry a lineup, but when he's cold, oh my gosh, it is frankly unplayable. Um, you know, last year he ended up with an OPS of 655, OPS plus 78, so 22 below league average. Um, but 15 home runs for a second baseman. There is some power in his bat. Uh, his defense typically grades out pretty well. Where do you land on Michael Massey and will there ever be enough contact to make him a viable big leaguer?
0: Well, you know, kind of what you mentioned earlier. I think this is the signing of Fraser was kind of a message to Michael Massey of, you know, look, you're not going to be handed the second base job necessarily. We've got a veteran. We brought him in. If you can't do the job, we're going to turn to Adam Frazier, who's got a you know track record of doing this. And that's not a bad thing. That's great. That's great to have that kind of competition. Great to send a message of, like, hey, you need to improve. And it wouldn't surprise me. I think that the starters are mostly set for this team. Michael Massey's is the one guy I think could lose a starting gig uh, by the end of camp uh, just because you know he's got options. J.J. Piccolo has talked about. Using options to kind of lengthen the roster, and if they can maybe stash him in the minors, have him work on his game, they work on work on uh, you know developing the count, work drawing walks, uh, hitting with more consistency, so you're not you know you're not below the 300 line and on base percentage, uh, and then we'll bring you back up when you're ready. That's that's wouldn't be a terrible thing in the world. And Fraser can start at second base, and Nasty can work on his game a little bit. Uh, he, you know he, the power is intriguing. I think people kind of overlook that sometimes. They they just think he's not a very good hitter. Which he didn't, you know, he had some some you know, slumps certainly, uh, but you know, double digit home run power from a second baseman at his young age—that's pretty impressive. Uh, but he just has to work on the consistency and and, and uh, you know, making more contact, uh, which is easier said than done. That's that's there's a lot, there's a lot of guys that have hit well in the minors that have shown good power that just don't have jobs because they strike out thirty percent of the time. So. Uh, the defense too, I would like to see him improve on that. He had a great reputation in the minors. I think we saw that in stretches. I think he had some highlight reel plays. Uh, maybe, you know, the metrics don't really bear it out as much. So maybe you know a little more consistency on defense. But uh, you know this is going to be a big year for him. Is he going to be part of this future for the Royals? Is he going to be a guy that anchors that second base position that gives us you know 15 to 20 home runs from a second baseman it would be would be huge for this team? Uh, or is he going to be a guy that just never reached his potential and maybe we have to move? Michael Garcia back to second, pick up a third baseman or some you know rearrange things so that um, you know we have to fill that hole. So pretty big year for him, but I you know I like the potential he shows. I uh, just need some more consistency.
1: Yeah, his range ranked out pretty good. His arm strength was not great, but again, as a second baseman, that's that's less important. Um, uh, his his batting metrics are interesting because his sweet spot percentage is phenomenal, but I don't know how consistent that is year over year. While a lot of the um, like the opposite of MJ Melendez, right? The average exit velo is not great. Barrel percentage not great. Hard hit percentage is 41, not great. Uh, his walk percentage was, was, was 9. You're getting into Salvi <laughs> territory right there. Um, I almost wonder if the 15 home runs might be a, a little bit of an aberration, right? Like 15 might be more of the max of Michael Massey. Maybe I'm wrong here, but some of the more analytical sides of things show that uh, Fifteen was pretty strong for what he got.
0: Yeah, he could be a, just a mistake pitcher. You know, there's there's certainly guys that have had years where their, their home run numbers go up, but then you kind of look through it. and It's like, well, you know, he didn't. You know, he, there's a book on him. You can you can get him out by you know keeping the ball away from him or you know hard stuff away or chase him in. Like, he, it could be it could be that. Uh, we'll have to see though. I think the, we all have all these young guys. We've only seen 30, 30 game stretches, hundred game stretches. You know, I know Dayton Moore talked a lot about getting 500 to 1,000 plate appearances before you kind of know what you have, and I don't know if I, you know if we if the Royals are in a mode now where they can wait that long, but uh, you do want to see a little bit more from some of these guys, and we'll we'll know by the end of the year. Like I think probably in the end of the season we'll know is Drew Waters part of the future? Yes or no? Is Michael Mass part of the future? Yes or no? Is Daniel Lynch part of the future? Yes or no? And it uh, will have a little bit clearer. Uh, vision of what this future Royals team look like and they can start uh, filling holes uh, at that point but uh, pretty big year for Michael Massey I'm, I'm pulling for him he seems like a good dude who, who plays some solid defense but uh definitely going to be a critical year for
1: him. Max Reaper is our guest. Talking pitchers now, obviously, I, I'm pretty enamored with the pitching staff overall. Like, I The reason why I'm spending so much time with you on the hitters is because I think pitchers, I, I, I'm i confident in. Cole Reagans, uh, you actually look at what he did last year, the underlying analytics shows he should have been even better, if you can believe that. And then you see him in spring training, and it, it's, it's Randy Johnson. I mean, like throw a bird out there and tell me it's not Randy Johnson. It's going to be Randy. Um, then you have Michael Watson. Who solid. You know what you're probably going to get from Michael Waka. Seth Lugo, maybe a little bit more inconsistencies his first year starting last year, and he was really solid, but um, maybe there's some regression there. Uh, and then you get interesting into the, the, the names like Brady Singer, uh, Jordan Lyles, who, you know, I, I think you might even be able to move into a long reliever role if you absolutely have to, if Daniel Lynch or Chris Bubich all of a sudden shines. What do you make of these starters here?
0: Well, yeah, it's great that they have five. They kind of know who their five starters are at the beginning of camp, right? I mean, this—I don't remember. I can't remember the last time the Royals knew that since maybe the the core championship team uh, days. I mean, they 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 got five starters, and yeah, Jordan Lyles is going to be part of that. Uh, you know, better for better, for worse, uh, and they can barring injury, we know who it's going to be it's going to be the guys you mentioned: Reagans, Lugo, Waka, uh, uh, Lyles, and more. Um, i missing. Oh, for Singer. Brady Singer. Yeah. Uh, and, and and by the way. All five of those guys have looked fantastic in the spring, and yeah, spring training, and yeah, it doesn't—you know—it's against you know mixed, uh, you know, mixed competition. But uh, to to have like what 11, not 12 shutout innings, I think, yeah. with uh, some like seventeen strikeouts so far in their outings, and only two or three walks, um, pretty impressive. You know, it's one thing to hit home runs in the dry air of Arizona, like we've seen Orioles hitters do so many times in the past in spring training. It's another thing to miss bats. And look make you know, major league hitters look absolutely silly the way Cole Reagans has and it's 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 hard not to get too ex you know, I just I I wanna go all in on Reagans but you know the the Royals stand in me is like
1: Man, when's it gonna go wrong, like, when, Max? Other no, Max. Be, being a Royals <laughs> fan is getting hurt year after year after year. It's like a Mizzou fan. Okay, that's what the Chiefs are over there. The Chiefs give me all this hope, right? The, the Chiefs, I can, I can just have blind faith in. But I have this enamored confidence in the Royals in Mizzou before the season starts, and then when it ends, I go, yeah, I, I should have known better.
0: Yeah, I mean, you just look at him pitching in spring training, and you're like, "How can he look this good? How can he be on the Royals? This is amazing. He looks phenomenal, and, and you really he's just blowing guys away." So, keep your fingers crossed for good health this year out Cole Irwin, because I think he's going to be phenomenal. I think he's going to be a Cy Young contender. I think he's going to be a very sexy dark horse pick to be the strikeout leader, Cy Young contender. Uh, if you're making your if you're making your legal bets for recreational purposes, uh, but yeah, he he looks fantastic out there, and and you have a, and you have actually. A, Filled out rotation. This isn't the years of Zach Greinke where Greinke looked great, but the rest of the team looked looked awful. You know, they've got a team that looks like they can kind of support and build around him a little bit, where you're not just depending on one guy. Now, the one concern I do have is that none of these guys have really had a lot of a big workload. Yes, uh, other than Jordan Miles. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Lugo and Waka, I think, only had about 140 innings last year. You know, Reagan's obviously was a reliever to begin the year, it was kind of up and down with the Rangers, so we haven't seen him over a full season. Uh, Brady Singer was out a little bit last year as well. So can this rotation stand up to the you know, to the challenges of a 162-game season? Now, fortunately, like we talked about depth a little bit with the hitters, they've got a little bit of depth with the pitching. I mean, I think Daniel Lynch is there as a sixth starter if they need him. Hell Zerpa, I think, could get some starts this year as well. Uh, so, you know, Alec Marsh is still in the mix, I think. So there's some depth there. I'd like it if they had a little bit more depth. Uh, wouldn't be bad if they picked up another pitcher maybe at the end of camp to stash away as a long reliever and that could start if need be. Uh, but you have to like this is the best I've thought about a Royals rotation since, gosh, 2016, yeah. 2017. Uh, so, and that's a great position to be in because it just seems like bad teams are just littered with bad rotations, right? Yeah. If you have a good rotation – it feels like you have at least a shot. And I think the Royals have a good, ro- you know, not a great rotation,
1: but a good rotation. Uh, again, I'm with you. I, I actually think it's a really good, ro- again, not elite, not great. But again, I, I think it's a really good rotation. But you're right. That was going to be my next question was the concern level um, with the starters as far as innings pitched. I mean, again, last year, Cole Reagan's 96 was electric for 96 innings. But is that all of a sudden going to get bumped up to, to 180? You know, Lugo and Waka, those guys hover around 140 150. Um, do you think there's any thought to maybe a, a six man rotation to alleviate some of those concerns, especially as the season progresses? Maybe you throw in if, um, you know, Bubich or Daniel Lynch are looking decent. You can keep Jordan Lyles in there as your innings eater while still having a little bit more success with a six guy to keep the, the other four, uh, at least I would say, three guys you're confident in, with Brady Singer being a question mark, um, somewhat more refreshed.
0: Yeah, I was actually just mulling that over this afternoon. I think Lesky raised that point as a as, uh, post this week. So I was kind of mulling it over. Yeah, it makes some sense. I think, And uh, you know, we talked about the workloads. I mean, but when in baseball has the workload of a starting pitcher mattered less than right now? I mean, like, it's, it, 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 it's a concern just because you worry about injuries and, 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 you know, can they withstand a full season? But, like, guys don't throw 200 innings anymore, right? They, they 150 innings is, like, kind of normal. Uh, for a lot of guys so uh, maybe we shouldn't be too concerned about that as far as the six-man rotation yeah it's interesting I I like I like kind of like the the thought of especially if Daniel Lynch if he's pitching really well in Omaha and you're like let's give him a shot to see what he can do or Chris Bubich comes back and you want to give him a spot in that rotation uh and, and you know if Jordan Lyles is pitching well enough to stay in the rotation it makes some sense my only hesitation is that with that is that that means another day to wait before Cole Reagan's pitches again, uh, which you know, I want him out there as much as we can to give us, ourselves a shot to win. Uh, but when you've got a, a solid rotation of you know three or four other guys you can kind of trust to, to kind of keep you in the game, which I think they have right now, uh, then, then it makes some sense maybe if you want to protect those arms, especially for guys that are kind of ramping up the innings quite a bit like Reagan's is, uh, and even like Lugo and Waka kind of are because they didn't uh, necessarily have a full season last year. So it makes some sense. We'll have to see how they wanna play it in the in the hot days in June and July, but uh, they certainly have the arms to actually do it without having to call someone embarrassing like, you know, that you never heard of that doesn't belong to the big league.
1: Yeah. Good call. Uh, oh my gosh, the, the dude that pitched against the Yankees and gave up
0: Eduardo yes, I was going to mention, it, but I didn't know if that was too deep a cut for for the, for, the, for the listeners at home.
1: Oh, Max, I got you, baby. Oh, come on now, <laughs> I got you. Um, all right, before I let you go, bullpen, let's finish up with the bullpen here. Um, overall, I'm fairly confident. Again, it, it's a lot. It's no longer Carlos Hernandez is your best or second best pitcher. Now he's maybe six or seven. Um, that's where you want him. Um, uh, you'd like a guy with upside, but a lot of inconsistencies, you don't re- want to rely on that guy necessarily. If he surprises you, great. If not, then it's okay. I- I'm pretty enamored overall with the Royals bullpen. Where do you lie here?
0: No, I think you put it very well. I mean, Carlos Hernandez, what, a year or two years ago, he'd be like anointed a closer. And then we would just have to deal with him blowing games in April May and be like, well, we don't have anyone else better. What do you expect us to do? No, he's, he's a six or seven. He might not even make the team. Uh, yeah. and I think there's a real possibility he doesn't make it if, if he doesn't pitch well in March, which is great. That's exactly the position you want to be in. And I, I agree with you. I, I think the guys that picked up, pretty solid. I thought, I liked, I've been a big fan of Nick Anderson for a while. I think he's going to be a guy that, um, if he stays healthy, uh, he's going to be a shutdown guy. He's going to be a, a fan favorite because yeah. he's, he's going to be lights out. Um, Chris Stratton, Will Smith, very, very solid. Uh, and then I'm really intrigued with some of the younger guys that are hard-throwing that have a chance to make this team, guys like John McMillan, guys like Will Klein, Steven Cruz, and Carlos Hernandez is in that mix. So they've definitely got some options there, uh, and, it's a nice it's, again, it's a nice position to be in. And I think you're going to see guys shuttle in and out in April and May to find, like, who are the last two or three guys in this bullpen uh, that you know, we don't have to rely on necessarily but can show us a little something and, and if one struggles, we can call another guy up. So it's, it's nice to kind of have a little bit of a revolving door, uh, at least in that first month or so.
1: Yeah, and, and by the way, just very small, uh, stupid thing on Nick Anderson. The reason why I loved him so much was not just because of what he did in Major League Baseball, but because of how useful he is in MLB The Show. Don't know if you play MLB The Show ever, but that dude is lights out in that game. I would always use him, and people were like, why the hell are you using this guy? I'm like, dude, watch. Curve is unhittable.
0: <laughs> Which was a real life, I think, for his first year or two. He it was. No one, he struck out like what, 15 per, per nine in his first year in the big league. So that curveball is no joke, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Uh,
1: Max Reaper. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at Max Reaper. Check out all of his great work on RoyalsReview.com. Max, always a pleasure.
0: Thanks, for it, man. I appreciate it.
1: Take a break. Come back. home stretch ESPN, Kansas City. Welcome back to the home stretch. ESPN came to see. I'm laughing because you know how on like ESPN or like just on the internet in general, it'll give you like um, targeted ads, right? Mine are normally like LL Bean, Brooks Brothers, um, basically, those are like the two. Vineyard Vines. Yeah, sometimes I, I go there when there's sales guys, okay? I'm a frugal man. I only buy things on sale. I needed to buy new dress shirts, so I, I went and bought some dress shirts. But I've never once gone to this, nor have I ever heard of this. I'm getting an ad for Chumba Casino. <laughs> I have no idea where Chumba Casino is, but... Uh, I'll, I'll tell you... This n- <laughs> is just hilarious. I, it's like little... Babies in like this Asian themed holding pots of gold. It's very weird looking. Um But look, it's next to my LL Bean one, Dylan. So like it's just like I I just I'm I'm befuddled by this. Chumba Casino. Never been there, but um there we go. Targeted ads. Maybe I said it one time, just said chumbo. I was listening to Chumba Wumba yesterday. No bleep. I was listening to tub thumping. Well there you go. That has to be it. Has to be it. You know, as sad as I am about Briscoe being gone and I'm really sad, Dylan. Like I, I'm actually really like beat up by this. Ditto. You know what like a a cool part is though? We get his office.
2: Uh-huh. I was gonna say I thought you were gonna say that um we didn't talk about Chumbawamba for another 15 minutes or something. Oh, but no, I actually would have loved I would have liked have that, to, I I have have talking about
1: Chumbawamba. I would, I would have missed that. I defend that, actually. Yeah, yeah, because we that. get knocked down, and then we get up again there and keep talking about it just nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Takes a whiskey drink. Takes a vodka drink. Those are all things we're putting in that uh, new office. Because Dylan and I took his office, so now we have a little combo office in there, and it's, um, it's going to be really cool, dude. It's going to be a fort. You want to call it, like, Michael's and Holmes? Like, we can have, like, a lawyer type, like, Esquire and put it on the sign?
2: Like uh, Vic and Vinegar? Uh, Yes. uh,
1: Is that what it was on It's Always Sunny? Vic and Vinegar? Yep. Yeah. Yep. That was great. Nails, dude. I like that. Maybe we should do that. Which one's Vinegar?
2: (laughs) It was, uh... Was it Mac? Yeah, but between you and me. Oh. I don't say much, so I could be taking his vinegar, maybe. Yeah. Like, oh, he's not very responsive. He must not like what uh, I'm saying, I guess. Yeah. He can say that.
1: All right. I'll go with it. Played basketball late last night, and uh, let me tell you, I'm about to turn 30. Your body sure does not respond the same way it did when you were in high school. Sure doesn't move the same way when you're on the, go- when you're, when you're on the court and you're like, I'm about to cross this dude. And you're like, I just crossed myself. Where, where, what are my ankles doing? Where, where are you going, guys? I take that back. Where, are, where aren't you going? Why aren't you moving? Why are they stuck in quicksand? You know, as a kid, I always thought there'd be more quicksand in life. It's actually when you get onto the basketball court when you pass the age of twenty-one. That's what it is. This is the home stretch here on ESPN at Kansas. City. We'll be back in studio on Monday for Dylan. I'm Sterling. We are out.